0: It is generally acknowledged that Indigenous women occupy a role of either the demure Indian maiden, the carnal savage, the ugly old crone, or the wise old grandmother. Otherwise, they don't exist. Wait, what? Who decided this? No, 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 no. Let me tell you something about Indigenous women. We exist outside of the boundaries others have tried to set for us. Where others tell us we don't belong, we thrive. When we're expected to fail, we succeed. We are fierce and we are sexy. Pale Talks, Undressing Indigenous Bodies and Sexualities, is a podcast dedicated to the Indigenous female while being inclusive of trans women, those who are non-gender conforming and two-spirited. Let's face it, We've been bringing sexy back since fourteen ninety two. Don't say hello. My name is Tashina Macocos, and you are listening to Pillow Talks: Undressing Indigenous Bodies and Sexualities. Welcome to episode five. You know what that means? It means I've had the most amazing support from family and friends, and all you listeners up there who have been sharing it all over social media. I felt the love and encouragement, and it gives me what I need to continue recording. So thank you sincerely. I am grateful for your support. I also want to apologize to you guys for not getting this up sooner. I had wanted to get it done a few weeks ago, but life happened, and I lost someone dear to me, and I didn't have it in me to record. Then work kept me busy for a while, and I finally had some time to myself, so I decided to get recording. So... This episode also features the debut of my new shiny microphone. It's called a Snowball and it makes me snigger every time I think about it, but I'm excited because I'll be able to take it with me when I need to record in some place other than my home. The other microphone I was using is kind of bulky because it's taped to a bunch of wire that is duct taped to a jar of glossy medium. And the pop filter is made out of pantyhose over a wire hanger, which is also duct taped to the jar. So, not ideal, but it worked while I needed it to. I actually bought a mic stand for it, so if I need two microphones, I have one extra. Thanks, babe, for helping me set it up so I could record my first episodes. And without further ado, on to this episode. I'm hesitant to talk about a lot of things here because I don't feel like I have a lot of experience or knowledge or that it just isn't my place to discuss such topics. But today I'm going to talk about something I do have a lot of experience with because I lived it for almost 27 years. It's called being a virgin. That's right, I'm going to discuss my decision to keep it in my pants religious purity, and what happens when you tell people that you haven't had sex yet. I was 11 years old when I made the conscious decision to not have sex until I was married, or at the very least in love. I didn't want to be a young mother because I didn't want to be growing up with my own children. And if I have children, I've always wanted to be able to provide a stable home. And I just wanted to be ready for all the emotional baggage that comes with having sex. I had also decided to avoid alcohol, drugs, and even smoking. I wanted to avoid the same pitfalls that I saw in the lives of the adults around me as much as I could. Yes, I was a very mature kid. But the maturity ends there really. (laughs) Then when I was 12, my mom invited missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to teach us about their church. She said it was because I had been asking her questions about God that she couldn't answer but felt that church could, as she had been a member when she was a teenager. I liked what they had to say in terms of keeping their standards for chastity and not partaking in alcohol, drugs, or smoking, and that was a huge part of why I ended up joining the church. I knew I needed someone or something to be accountable to if I was going to really commit to keeping the standards I had set for myself. So I became a Mormon, and remained a devout member of the church until I was 23. As I had explained in an earlier episode, I didn't have a boyfriend until I was 20. While we never had sex, there was a lot of fooling around that I remember fondly now, but back then the fun was ruined by all the guilt we felt, and tears I shed. We were taught that sex before marriage is a sin akin to murder, because you're breaking a covenant with your future spouse and with God. And oh man, do you have to repent hard. I was actually pretty reluctant to repent, as guilty as I felt and as much as I cried. Because as part of our repentance, we had to meet with our bishop to recount our sins and show a proper amount of remorse. And sitting there telling an old man about how your boyfriend went down on you through your pajama bottoms is embarrassing and uncomfortable. But that's part of the remorse. So that you vow to never do it again to save yourself from awkwardly recounting another sexual experience. We broke up shortly after, and while I went on some dates, I didn't have another boyfriend while I was a member of the church. And I'm recounting this through a rearview mirror, so don't take my word on this as gospel. But the weight of sexual purity is kind of a fucked up way to deal with puberty and hormones. Even masturbation is considered a sin and I know this caused some issues with my own sexuality when I began exploring it later on. I left for reasons that don't really have anything to do with the subject of this podcast, so I'm not going to get into that here. But I think I got to a point where its purpose in my life had been fulfilled. I didn't need the church to keep me in line anymore, but I stayed a virgin for a few more years after I left. I didn't want to just give it up to anyone And I didn't know how to go about even meeting someone outside of the context of a church gathering. Plus I was working like four jobs at one point so I didn't even really have time to look. Then I met a man online in a chat room for a website called Literotica, And we hit it off and became a long distance couple for two years. We spent hours on the phone and online talking to each other. Eventually engaging in phone and cybersex. Because we were dealing with distance and we hadn't met in person, I began masturbating. And that's when I discovered that I don't orgasm easily. It actually took a few months of phone calls and him talking me through the frustration before I had my first orgasm. I'm pretty sure there's a parade. There should always be a parade. Orgasms still don't happen easily for me, so when they do, it's victory. Anyway, I never met this man. And the relationship didn't go anywhere, and it started breaking down, so I ended it. But I'll always be glad for his patience and understanding in dealing with my issues around sex. Shortly after I broke up with him, I started dating another guy who had been a roommate a few months before. He was the one I first had sexual intercourse with. I wasn't married or even in love, but I was ready. Which I think threw him off, because he commented that I didn't act like a virgin. That is to say, I wasn't shy and demure about the whole thing. I was pretty straightforward about wanting to have sex. And when it came down to it, I didn't hold back and let myself enjoy the experience. As short as it was. I I don't know what he was expecting from being my first, but I got the feeling that he was disappointed. I didn't bleed, and I didn't orgasm. This became a point of contention between us, because throughout the six-week relationship, I came only once. So he wasn't the only one who ended up disappointed, but he kept inferring that something was wrong with me when really, how do you expect someone to orgasm after 30 seconds of pumping your dick in them and without foreplay? I mean, be glad I was even wet enough to have sex. Needless to say... He wasn't the first or last to have expectations of me for being a virgin. One experience happened when I was 18. I was doing some upgrading at a college here in Edmonton when I met a guy at school. He walked up to me in the lobby one morning and introduced himself and asked for my name. I wasn't interested in him, but he insisted on being friends and being a naive 18-year-old girl who didn't know how to stand up for herself yet. I reluctantly agreed. I gave him my phone number and he called me and we talked for a while before the subject of sex came up. When he found out I was a virgin, he got really excited. Then started to plan our future together. I was going to be his wife and we were going to have lots of amazing sex and I was going to bear lots of his children. I was not impressed with any of it, especially how he was trying to impose himself on me and my life. It all ended well enough, I guess, when I didn't show up to a coffee date I agreed to. Well, I did show up, 15 minutes late, after having spent that time in the bathroom flushing out my newly sutured gums where my wisdom teeth used to dwell, but he wasn't around so I ate my lunch and went back to class. He never called me again and I never saw him after that. I'm always grateful that it ended there and I didn't have to endure any grief over it, but the experience has always stuck with me. For all his pronouncements about the life he would have together, not once did he stop to think that I wouldn't want any of it. He didn't even ask. I had no voice. I was to have no voice. Another experience I had in dealing with a man and his expectations happened very recently. It all began about 10 years ago when I was living in Calgary at my aunt and uncle's house. A young guy who was a few years older than me began boarding in their basement. We became friends and even started flirting with each other. I thought he was cute and I enjoyed the attention, but it never went any further than that. I was still heavily involved with the church at the time, so I didn't want to date anyone who wasn't, and he never pushed for a relationship. Now that I think about it, the only times he was really forward with me was when he was high or drunk, and he would put his arm around me or hold my hand. Thank God nothing happened, though, because if it takes substance for you to act like you like me, then good riddance. Keep your beer goggles. Anyway, he moved to Edmonton six months later when he lost his job for speeding in the company truck. We emailed back and forth a few times, but eventually lost touch. Then a few months ago, he sent me an email asking how I was doing and that he had saw me before but was too afraid to say hi. I replied back, and he responded with the get-together and catch-up suggestion. I remembered the flirting, and thought it could be fun to see him again, and agree to it. I also told him about my life these days. My dog, my nieces, and my boyfriend. Then he sent me a sexually suggestive email, riddled with grammar so poor it was incomprehensible. I asked if he was drunk when he sent that email, and he said that he was, but that it didn't make it any less true. Then the emails got weird, then distasteful, then rude, then straight up violent, and ended just really awkwardly. I want to say I feel bad for the guy, but really, it's mostly pity, I guess. I stopped replying, but he kept sending me emails, and Adrian started responding to them, and even he eventually got fed up with it and stopped. I got a few more emails full of prose I'm sure the guy thought sounded deep but they stopped after a few days and I haven't heard from him since. His emails were centered on my virginity. He remembered the inexperienced, naive 22-year-old girl and expected her to be the one to respond. But he was dealing with a 31-year-old woman who learned how to stand up for herself and didn't shy from sex. His emails were often in what he thought should be my voice and what I should be thinking and feeling. He thought I was afraid of pleasure, of any sexual gratification. And he thought I was afraid of other people's opinions of me, should I have sex with him. That's why I said no. When his emails wouldn't stop and it became clear he wasn't listening to me, I sent him a dick pic that Adrian sent me when we first started dating. It featured Richard Nixon's face as his phone background with his phone placed over his crotch. And he was wearing boxers. I have a demented sense of humor and it made me laugh. So I emailed it to this other guy and he told me I was as rejectable as ever and called me abusive and said that he was glad he never asked me out and that he didn't say hi to me when he saw me. I threw up my hands and said bye Felicia and the emails kept coming. That's when Adrian started replying to them and the other guy made mention of how much he would have paid to be with me when I was younger and thinner when he deemed me to be at my most attractive. Then he accused Adrian of being the reason why I said no to him, because obviously, obviously, I can't possibly have an opinion of my own and need men to tell me what to do. What is it about the objectification of virgins? Why did these men project their expectations on me without my consent? Men, women, people, people, you guys... Stop with this shit or get the fuck out. Do not force yourself on others, whether it's physically or mentally. Respect us. Respect our bodily autonomy. Respect your women. It is unacceptable for any of us to have to deal with your violence. I am so grateful I never had to deal with any more than verbal abuse, but I shouldn't have to be grateful for that. These experiences I've had with men and their infatuation with my virginity, not me, but my lack of sexual history, were why I wanted to start this podcast. I feel strongly that we need to educate our youth about sex. They should know that sex can be fun, and it's amazing but that they have to respect each other's bodily autonomy and not shame each other for their experiences. And they should be safe and use protection. Our girls need to know that they are worth more than their virginity. They have a voice. Our women need to know their worth. And our women and girls are worth much more than we can comprehend. They are worthy of love and respect. I hope this podcast helps others to see that too Oh, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Pillow Talks you can follow me on Twitter the podcast handle is at indigenouspt and you can find the podcast on SoundCloud as well just look for the Pillow Talks podcast and finally you can email me at indigenouspillowtalks at gmail.com hi hi for listening. We'll catch you next time.